0: V. Eli. Whoa. There we go. Jordan, oh, tell us about I got my your Maryland hair. Maryland Cup. I didn't even go to Bro. Maryland, but my wife did. So there we go. You went to Towson, right? Yeah. So we went to college together. Yeah. But I don't remember you at college. I don't remember seeing you there, but I mean, I've
1: known you way longer than college. The first time I saw you perform was uh, at our college in the in Paul's the restaurant. Where was it? The-
0: oh at at Towson that was yeah. the first time you didn't it wasn't like Camp Milldale or
1: something no this was before I remember it was it was the first time I think I went to campus to a college campus without an adult and it was like kind of scary Alexi and I we like drove we we got fried chicken on the way and then we had to find the parking and then the place and uh yeah and you guys were you guys are pretty good did you go to cluck you for chicken? Oh, fuck oh, you! Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think it was called um, what was it? I think Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think they call it KFC. <laughs> okay, got, I got know it.
0: You know
1: what's going on with this piece of hair? You see that? Yeah. Okay. What is that? Um, Wait, what band was this? What band
2: was
3: this?
0: This Spin was Spinfire.
3: At <laughs> Towson University, and how old were you? Mario, do you know Spinfire? Uh, I do not know Spinfire. I apologize. Matt, that was your first band, right? Yeah, that was my first band. Uh, I don't know. It was like
0: I think pop rock. It was probably. I mean, I was probably seventeen or eighteen. But I think was it Sam and Michael, or was it when Cricky was in the band? I've never heard the name Cricky, so mm-hmm. I'd assume Crickey. it's the brothers. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll talk. About, we'll talk about Cricky another time. Um, before we start and introduce our guest today. Um, I was going to tell you guys I had a a brief FaceTime earlier with um, Ben Ricciardi and Drew DeCaro, um, and Drew wanted me to make sure he said hi to you guys specifically. Uh, mentioned that he hadn't talked to Jordan in a while
1: and wanted to say what's up. So nice. sh- shout out to Drew DeCaro. Yeah, we spent a, a good, good guy. a good summer with him traveling up and down the country.
0: Yeah, yeah, he mentioned that it's well, and that's you know Mario, our guest today um asked me the other day if I've been like keeping in touch with friends and I've been making a point to at least a couple times a week touch touch base with people I haven't talked to in a while so today <clears throat> it was very a very short call because we were all in between other things but I got a chance to talk to those guys um and uh yeah it was good to catch up so I'm supposed to have another call potentially with Ben I don't know if you guys know Ben no. Um but uh Oh good. He's he's another he went to Towson too. He's a year older than me. And he played in bands <laughs>
1: uh
0: as well when Spinfire was doing a thing or doing its thing. And uh um, What band was he in? What band? Uh I can't think of it off the top of my head. All right. But now he owns a uh, a marketing firm in Los Angeles called uh Times Ten, which uh they do really well. They work with a lot of big name uh brands and athletes and things like that and um yeah, he does a bunch of stuff. So anyway, um, solid. Getting into today, so the the, the brief story <clears throat> is that uh, Periphery was on tour about a year and a half ago, roughly, maybe approaching two years. Sort of, well, yeah, year, about a year and no, a half. No,
3: it was a year. You guys were touring with uh, Dance they, Gavin Dance. So it was, okay, so it's
0: just over a year ago. So yeah, yeah. So there's this um, there's this mall that we always go to up in Buffalo um, for a day off. I can't remember the name and I don't know either way. um, We've been there quite a few times, but we walked, it was myself. It was Jake from periphery. And then a a couple guys from our crew, we walked into the five guys in the mall for lunch. And this, uh, this, this big muscular (laughs) burly guy with a service dog, uh, very politely, approaches us and is like, "Hey, um, you guys are Periphery, right?" And we we're like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Fuck, you know, I like your band." So we ended up striking up conversation um, because we we were actually talking about his dog Bunker, which we should definitely talk about during this uh, <laughs> this, this this chat. But we were talking about Bunker, and then um, we all ended up sitting at the same table and having uh, a a impromptu lunch together and it was great. It
3: was, it was very pleasant. I appreciated your, uh, hospitality. Oh dude. Yeah, of course. Well,
0: there's some people you meet that right off the bat, they, you know, they have warm vibes. They, uh, you know, they, they don't come off, uh, in a aggressive or or negative way. And, And I would say you definitely came off very welcoming as well. So it was, uh, and plus I mean, yes, you did have your dog, but we had like five <laughs> huge guys with us, so uh, between Alex and Stash, who can who can lift up an eighteen wheeler probably um, so we felt good about it, but no we we, we sat down we had uh, we had lunch, we exchanged information because at the time I was talking about uh, you know how I was gonna be getting a couple uh, or, or getting another dog much bigger, a Borble, which now I have Henry. And, you know, I had my methods of training from previous dogs, but obviously nowhere near the level um, that Mario has, has sort of taken it to with his dog and his experience. So we were talking about that and we kept in touch. And long story short, um, we've seen each other a couple times since then, uh, mainly really on tour with Periphery. Um, but to to your, uh, to your comment prior to, to starting that there's something about red meat and periphery shows that uh, inevitably will bring us together at this point well yeah
3: and isn't it
0: isn't jake a vegan he's so he's a selective vegetarian ah right so he he tries (laughs) he tries to be a vegetarian most of the time but he'll break edge as he calls it if like if he really wants to and in that situation uh we were the 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 next time i saw you after that was in philadelphia and yeah the venue we were playing at is right next to uh gyms and across the street from ishka bibbles which are both yeah some cheesesteak places so
3: yeah and see i grew up just outside of philly so I mean, that's that's kind of my old stomping ground, going to South Street and getting to cheesesteak Steak and Penn's Landing. That that area is incredible. Yeah, it's oh, sick. I
0: walked around all day, had way too much coffee, had way too much red meat and a bunch of other uh, shitty snacks that I probably shouldn't have eaten. <laughs> but um, yeah. that being said, we, we've had a lot of conversation, you and I, over the past year about a, a, a number of different topics, everything from – uh, dog training to, you know, personal stuff with family and homes. And, you know, you obviously have been taking uh, on a big project with your home and, and your land and all that stuff, which we we, we should talk about if you want to. Um, and then we've done a lot of talking as of late, obviously, about the current situation in the world um, and your experience as a veteran. Um, and what's cool, too, is that you have not had a chance to really talk to, Jordan and Justin outside of the chocolate croissants group, which you've actually been very active in as of late. I saw you're a rising star. You got that badge. Woo! Yeah. Let's go. Woo! Let's go. Um, rising
3: stars. So, i kind of a big deal. You yeah, know? you are. So, yeah. But I wanted to go. give, I wanted to <laughs> give those guys a
0: chance to, uh, you know, to ask questions and kind of yeah. hear about your background, which I think would be helpful to kind of set the stage. So, Unless you guys have anything else in particular, I mean, Mario, if you're down to just give a synopsis on kind of where you come from, what you do, what, what your specialties are, and kind of what you're doing now, I think that'd be great for everybody listening.
3: Sure, sure. Um, so I'm 42 years old. Uh, I've been married for a little over 15 years. Um, I've got two kids. Hi. Uh, yeah, one's yeah. just sitting back here listening by the fireplace. And um you know I uh I'm originally from outside of Philadelphia and I came in the military in the Air Force in February of 1998. Um and I joined uh an Air Force uh career field called EOD, Explosive Ordnance Disposal. Um and essentially that's just kind of a fancy term for bomb squad. Um but it's a whole lot more than just Your typical bomb squad stuff, what you would see in the movies or or TV or something like that. Um, You know, aircraft carry bombs. And so if there's an issue in storage or something like that, they drop it. Uh, You don't know the condition. We got to take care of it. Uh, We we would take care of old hand grenades, new stuff, old chemical ordnance um is just a fancy term for munitions or weapons or whatever but rockets missiles bombs um that kind of stuff um i'm also trained and experienced in a nuclear biological and chemical warfare um that kind of stuff uh i think i mentioned uh i think to you matt maybe a while ago that if you guys remember the early 2000s there was that anthrax Uh, scare. And, you know, one of the byproducts of that is if you, I was stationed in North Dakota at the time, um, when you get a package or a envelope mailed to you and there's rock salt on the uh, sidewalk, when somebody picks it up in that heightened state of fear, they think that they have uh, anthrax package. Uh, so there were a couple times where we responded and in, in, in full up equipment and everything uh, for these responses um, because you have to treat everything like it's real until, you know, otherwise. Um, so that was a very interesting perspective I got as far as, you know, contamination control and, and actually responding to an emergency um, from there. Uh, I ended up doing five deployments. Um, I did uh, two to Iraq and one to Afghanistan. Uh, and one of them, it's, it's a really interesting program I was part of. Um, it's something called the Deployment Transition Center. It was set up in Germany. So basically, World War I, World War II, when, when the guys were done at war, they were done their time, um, they would head home. How would they head home? Uh, it would be a long boat ride or a long plane ride back. With a boat ride, you're spending a couple days at sea with nothing to do other than commiserate with your, your friends, the people that you went to war with. And what people realized is this, these couple days on the ship talking amongst each other really helped with the transition when they made it back home. Uh, nowadays with deployments, you'll, you could be going from combat, straight combat to 24 hours later, back in front of your family, uh, back with your kids that you may or may not have even met yet. So there was, uh, it was identified that there was kind of a need, uh, to help out not just air force, but people in general, to kind of take a tactical pause, if you will. Um, They made it to Germany. We tried to make things easy for them as much as possible. And uh, we created a program where we took them out into like a German town, um, just got them used to being around normal stuff again. Um, Another thing that we would do is we would facilitate the discussion because I'm like they are. I was a subject matter expert So we're a really small community. There's only about a thousand of us in the air force. And so I would facilitate the conversation to get people to talk about substance, not just, you know, willy nilly stuff, but what were, what was going through people's minds? What were they excited about? Um, and once people got going, they, they seem to get quite a bit out of it. Um, you know, you have to take into account that you're not going to be able to please everybody. But um, the feedback we got was that it was it, it helped to transition back into normal life. Um, so, yeah, did the combat deployments, um, you know, dealt with the aftermath of doing my job for as long as I did. It, it kind of takes its toll on you. Um, so probably for about eight years, I, uh, I had a knot at the end of the rope and held on for dear life. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I made it to my 20 year, my goal was to make it to 20 years. Um, it was, it was a personal goal. I probably could have gone out before them with benefits, but I was determined to make it to 20. I made it to 20 in three months. And I said, deuces. So, um, after that, I decided to go to animal behavior school. Um, it's not, let me, let me rephrase that. It's a normal college up in Buffalo. Uh, one of the programs they have is an animal behavior ecology and conservation program. Um, because I got my own dog, I trained him from the age of 12 months. And with the help of a nonprofit, I trained him to be my service dog. And um, so I was really interested in animal behavior. And frankly, I needed something to do when I got out of the military. Um, Idle time for people like us is not good. Um, So I needed to, I knew that I had to move forward. I didn't know exactly what that would look like, but I had to move forward. Um, And the school was great. Don't get me wrong. Um, But it's an hour and hour and a half commute each way for me um four out of five days a week and um you know i was going full time and trying to take care of this place at the same time it's just i mean you remember when when you and i met that was probably uh during a very difficult time where i didn't know if i would be able to continue on with school um well, I remember I remember
0: of, you talking to me about that explicitly. You know, you were sort of oh, at, a, yeah. at, at that point, you were at a crossroads between do I keep doing this every day with it taking its toll on me or do I focus on being home and make that the project?
3: Right, right. And that was, you know, on one hand, I don't want to quit and I want to push through things. And it's it's a really hard pill to swallow, you know, especially at this age, but I, I was, I was not pleasant. Uh, I was, I was short with everybody when I got home. Um, and I made a decision to continue going. So I didn't fail, but I just, I didn't really study or anything. I would go there. I would listen to the conversations. I would pay attention, but I wouldn't do the homework and I wouldn't, you know, study for the tests. Because I'd rather, you know, suffer um, educationally than mentally. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, sure, that makes sense. Yeah.
0: So, with that in mind, just to kind of catch us up from that point till now, um, you're not in school anymore. Um, no. So, what has been the major focus for you right now? Like, what what do you what would you say is your um, is your main gig.
3: Oh, you ask the hard questions on this channel, don't you?
0: We do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I know from talking to you that there's, that you have a lot
3: going on. Good stuff. You I know. do. I do. Um, I have a lot of options. I have a lot of interests. Um, I spent a lot of time when I was preparing to get out of the military mm-hmm. Trying to figure out what my why is. Um, You know, you have the thing that you do with periphery and music and everything, you know, that kind of scratches that itch you have. Um, I have to take into a lot of things into account what my personality is, um, what I enjoy doing. I have to balance that with what the need is out there as well. I'm not... I'm not a businessman. Uh, I am not wired to be able to create or do something so that I can make a profit. That's not how I'm driven. Um, with talking with a lot of people, we came down to it and I, my purpose is to help and protect people. That's what I did in the military was protecting people. And, um, the great thing about my job about EOD was that you're not only protecting the people to the left and right of you from the effects of IEDs and explosives and and these hazards, but you're also protecting the local populace. You're, You're protecting innocent people in Iraq. You're helping the villagers, um, you know, clear these items so that they can continue farming in an area. So, um, the immediate gratification was very tangible. You know, once you take care of something, it's like, wow, now you can see these people coming back in and, and they can farm this land or they can go back to this very, very purposeful and very, very rewarding and really looking forward. I'm trying to figure out what the next step looks like. I know the why, and I have the I have a good group of people uh, with me that kind of understand how I'm wired and what we're trying to do. Um, there's a couple things in the works right now. Um, I don't want to go down a rabbit hole too much, but one of the things that we're looking at doing is trying to preserve. Uh, A lot of the hard lessons learned from our career field, and we're trying to figure out a way to package that in a historical document and be able to preserve that for the next generation coming up. Um, I feel that as a society, you can only advance by the sharing of ideas and concepts and learning from not only your own mistakes, but from other mistakes as well. And so, you know, I've had friends that have been blown up, killed, missing limbs. I've spent a lot of time going to the hospital and visiting uh, friends who were injured. I, I've spoken with uh, widows, and uh, I've actually asked them some very, uh, very direct questions. And some of the feedback that's come from them, you won't find in any book. You won't find it at any movie. And I'm trying to figure out what the best way possible is to capture that. Um, at the same time, I have a lot of experience in the whole suicide prevention stuff. I've dealt with people who have worked for me and I've worked with uh, who have come back from Iraq and Afghanistan um, struggling. A lot. Um, we had an individual that made an attempt on his life and um, I saw how that was handled and I wanted to do better at it. And unfortunately, two years after that, he was uh, discharged from the military. Um, and 15 days after he got out, he took his own life. So... This goes along what I've been kind of saying in the Facebook page is that up until this point, the story of this person is tragic, but I try not to focus on the loss and the pain and the grief and all that. The silver lining from, from what that happened, we had an individual from my unit go down and, uh, speak at this other person's, uh, funeral. And I'll, I'll never forget this. Um, after the funeral, uh, my friend's uh, wh- our, uh, mother came up to him and she said, you know, John, thank you so much for doing the eulogy and doing everything that you guys did because you gave me two extra years with my son. So what did I learn from that? I'm very analytical. And, uh, I like using hindsight to try and learn from experiences. Um, what I learned is that during that time, we had no idea what the right thing, we didn't know how to do what we needed to do, but we knew that we needed to take care of him. We needed to, um, point him to the right direction, get him help. And we did that on our own. Nobody told us what to do. We just saw a need and we did it. Um, and that's some of the perspective that I'd like to bring, not just to chocolate croissants, but to pretty much whoever I encounter, especially on the topic of suicide prevention and mental health. And um, there's a lot of things that we've learned in our career field that could possibly impact people like you you know, especially going through this virus right now, um, there's a lot of people that are not of the mindset to be able to thrive during this. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, we, we've talked about that quite a bit. Um,
0: part of the, the the topic of conversation for the recent episodes has been determining routines and schedules and... um you know, positive things that people are doing on a daily basis in the hopes that it will rub off on someone listening who needs to get an idea of what they can be doing, right? Um, Yeah. So that's good stuff to discuss. And um, I wonder if there are action items that you sort of put into play on a daily basis right now, You know, because we are, you're talking a little bit about big picture stuff, which is great. I mean, yeah, of course. And you will figure out that path for sure for yourself. Um, I think the state of the world right now probably makes it a little bit funny to try to, you know, start something for, you know, to at least a a major degree. But I guess my question, if I boil this to a question, is um, on a day to day basis, how do you personally maintain that focus, um, that sort of drive to uh, to thrive during this time? And what does that look like for you,
3: right? Yeah. So the disclaimer I'll put that out there is I don't always succeed. Um, and that's fair. No, I, no one does. You know, well... I think it's important to say that out loud um, because it's easy for the last thing I want to do is come across to you guys or anybody else is like, I know everything and you know, I'm this super wise person and I only know my story. I only know what works for me and what has and has not worked in the past. But to answer your question, what I do, I start off getting up at the same time every day. And for some people that are used to that, it's like, okay, that's, duh, no shit. <laughs> there are people out there right now that will sleep in till whenever. And I've seen this happen on deployments when you're not as busy sometimes. You tend to get in this pattern where you start sleeping in later and later, and later, and you stay start staying up later, and later, and later, almost to the point where you become nocturnal, you know, there was a time in Iraq, I mean, granted, we were doing a lot of work at night, because that's when we needed to do it, but there was a time where I, we worked in three-man teams, we would go to bed at like four or five in the morning, and then wake up two, three in the afternoon. And, you know, some people would say, oh, you know, who cares? You know, you're in war or combat. I disagree. Uh, I think having a regular schedule as much as possible, um, works. I, I don't think, I don't believe in having something so strict that it, uh, does not allow you for, to do things that pop up. But starting off with getting up in the morning, set an alarm. You know, right now, the kids are out of school. My wife's just finished her teaching certificate program here in New York State. So I'm super proud of Becca for that. Um, The kids are asking me, why do I have to get up? Why do I have to set my alarm? And I explain to them that it's a good habit to get into, It's a good way of starting off the day on the right foot, on your terms, and doing what you want to do. So right now, if they're not up by 8 o'clock in the morning, I go into their rooms and I blast Journey. That's what I do. And I sing Don't Stop Believing to them until they actually get out of bed. A, I think it's hilarious, and B, it gets them up. And see, I like journey. So you know, it's really a win-win. <laughs> Wait, a hat trick right there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um,
0: well, and and you mentioned to me too, not to go off track a bit, but you know, huh. you mentioned that that's been a big focus of yours too. While to to be able to embrace this time with your family, because you yeah. even even in in the 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 small glimpses into your story. You're away a lot. So now that you're yeah. home, you know.
3: Yeah. Um, with getting out, getting ready to get out, and having been out, retired for almost two years now, I've spent a lot of uh, time looking inward, trying to figure out why I feel a certain way. Some of the decisions that I've made, were they good or bad? How can I improve in the future when, when struggle comes up because there's this idea with technology and society that we've engineered struggle and bad shit out of our lives. And I don't want to do that. I want to spend time with my kids and as painful as it is sometimes, (laughs) you know, being around them 24 seven and you know, they they're half of me. So I'm screwed already. (laughs) <laughs> but, man, I I come to realize I have a lot of guilt from being away. Mm. And one of the things I wanted to talk to you, Matt, about was how important that show in the Fillmore was for us. And I'll explain to you why. Um, so, you know, I've been stationed all over the place. Um, we were stationed in England for a while. And... I spent a lot of time away from the kids' deployments, uh, came to New Jersey after that out at McGuire-Dix Lakehurst, Um, spent a lot of time away going down to D.C. quite a bit, um, down to Baltimore, down to New York City, Uh, just a lot of work all over the place. I can't tell you how many firsts I've missed. Uh, I think I missed... Both of my son's first steps, uh, I missed possibly their first words. I know I missed Mirko's first words. I've missed birthday parties, Christmases, Easter's, you name it. And I have a lot of guilt from missing out on my kids' what I view as formative years. Um, I think those... Those years are crucial for a child's development. And I missed out on some of that stuff. And, you know, even if I have to go somewhere for a weekend, I still feel guilty. I still feel guilty. But it's important for me to be able to articulate that because I can recognize it, but still not let it hold me back. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Mario,
1: I'm I'm curious, uh, especially yeah. when you're in places like Iraq or Afghanistan. What was the communication like with people back in the states?
3: Um, it all depends on the time frame. Um, I, my first deployment to Iraq was 2006, so. Technology back then didn't look like what it does right now. Um, basically, it was phone calls via satellite phone or emails. That was pretty much it. Um, Those first couple of years, uh, I could not stand doing video teleconferences because I could never get a good enough connection where it wouldn't be choppy and I just get really pissed off and be like, fine, I'll just email you. So the communication was pretty good for what it was, you know, um, I'm thankful for the communication that we did have, you know, there were our previous generations were lucky if they got something in the mail. Right. So, right. You know, um, to be able to hop on a computer and instant message your spouse or help your kids with homework. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's something pretty special, you know? And again, I'm choosing to focus on that rather than how difficult it was for X, Y, and Z. Mm
0: -hmm. I've thought about those, those aspects quite a bit too, even with, uh, and, Touring in a band for four weeks at a time pales in comparison to the amount of time that you might be on a deployment, and I, you know, to to be frank, that's something that I've actually had to sort of use to pump myself up at times. That particular comparison, um, because there were times when there was a lot going on in my life at home, and I didn't want to leave, and I was looking at it from a negative perspective, and. There's a number of different things I would use to sort of prepare myself, but one of them was, well, you know, look, hey, we're talking about a matter of three, four weeks, you know, imagine how hard it must be for someone in the military to tell their families that they're leaving for nine months or six months or, or you know, 14 months or whatever it may be. Um, this absolutely doesn't even compare, especially talking about what we're doing, the the level of uh of of seriousness you know we're going out on the road to play shows and drink coffee and eat good food at random sit in random cities you still miss your family you still yeah you know but point is it's it's yeah it's perspective right you know
3: yeah the one thing i want to add to that is i don't see it that way um Look at it from the perspective of your spouse or, you know, somebody's kids. Time away from home is still time away from home. Sure. So it doesn't matter if I was down in D.C. for a week or Germany for four months or, uh, you know, wherever. Time away from wife and kids is still time away from wife and kids, no matter what you call it. Sure. So. Um, obviously there's varying degrees, but again, I think some of the reasons why I've enjoyed chatting with you so much is because I find your guys' world completely fascinating. I didn't grow up around musicians. I love music. Don't get me wrong. I have friends, you know, I, I run a private group called Metalheads where we just bounce music back and forth. It's just the coolest thing. I don't know the first thing about what you guys do and i'm fascinated in the perspective that you guys bring and you know i look at this as almost like an info share type thing
0: sure Uh yeah i get that and i i feel the same way about um these other um professions that take you in any direction whether that be away from home or just simply having a a a a specialty or, or um Right. Uh, You know, something that that it that requires a a really specific talent per se. Um but we'll come back to that. I want I want you to finish your point about why the Fillmore show in DC was um was important. Oh yeah. Yeah, sorry
3: about that. Oh that's good. Um so I did miss out on a lot of firsts and music is a huge part of my life. Um It has been since I could remember first hearing Michael Jackson and then getting introduced to grunge. You know, I became a student of grunge. I got a Soundgarden tattoo. Um, You know, music has helped me through basic training, deployments, you name it. I mean, I wanted the reason it was so important is because I wanted to take my kids to their first show. I really wanted to I really wanted to take him to their first show And it was important to me That we were able to do that And uh, <laughs> I actually When you guys came to Philly before, Stan, before Hail Stan came out I took my older son to uh, the, what is it, the convergence tour With yeah. you guys and Animals as leaders Yeah <sighs> I think he was maybe Seven or eight at the time Hell yeah! <laughs> and so it was awesome, but it was really late. We had to get up for school the next day. And so he only stayed awake for animals as leaders. And right before you guys got on, I took him home because he was falling asleep. I remember I, I was going to say, I remember we headlined <laughs>
0: in Philly that show. It, it was a flip flop every other day. Yeah, we would headline and they would headline on the on the opposing day. I remember Philly in particular was us.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it was one of those bittersweet kind of moments because I was like, you know, I got to experience this with him. But still, it didn't scratch that itch. You know, I I, I wanted it. So then when we found out you guys were coming down to Philly or excuse me, um, DC. Fillmore, yeah, yeah, um, I wanted to make a weekend out of it. So, you know, you've probably heard me talk about having the three to five people, you know, strong interpersonal connections around you. Well, some of my very closest friends uh, live down by you guys, actually, by the D.C. area. Um, So I actually took the boys down there for the weekend. We crashed with some friends and uh, we actually went to the concert. And as usual, the kids couldn't see. I remember, because, I remember
0: you, you were up right over there, like in the balcony, right oh, in front. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. So we didn't start off there. Okay. Uh, we started off with general admission. And I'm like, ah, you know, we might be able to work something out. And that that venue is very professionally run. <laughs> and um there's no favors at all. <laughs> so Uh, We decided to throw down some cash and do their first experience right and go on to the top balcony. And we had the most amazing time you could possibly imagine. I mean, it didn't even matter that, you know, like, I think Spencer had. um, We were a
0: three piece that night.
3: Yeah, you guys were a three piece that night. Yeah. And like, literally that did not slow us down at all. We were, we were screaming at the top of our lungs. Like the boy's favorite song is loon. So when that came on, we were just going nuts. And my friends were taking pictures of us and I've got it in any other room, but my friend actually took one of those pictures and had it printed on a metal plate. And so I can hang it up now. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it, it's it's this picture of me going like this, and my one son here, and my other son here, and we're just, and you could see the whole stage. You're you know right there, and it's just it was a really really special moment for us that we still talk about. And um, and again, I wouldn't have felt as strongly about that had I not gone through those experiences prior you know so in some ways what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and sometimes the more you suffer the more you appreciate shit yeah
0: well, it's definitely um it's definitely something that i think at this point we all can relate to because i know i can't wait and and this is a, a <laughs> switching gears for a second i can't wait until i can do something as simple as like go out to eat with my wife again and like sit at a bar and just like have a meal or any number of things that we used to do before this whole new way of life began. It's the, the level of appreciation that I'm going to feel and the gratitude that I'll feel is, is for sure going to be impactful. And what's exciting, you mentioned like firsts, I think everything is going to be a new first you know um, yeah it, it, at least that's how i'm looking at it like i don't know i'm excited for all those things when, when they when they do finally happen um what one last thing i want to say and then i want to yeah. pass it on but um it's funny well one i remember there was a moment during that show i don't remember what song it was where i Ended up actually seeing you and was like waving or something.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: but we caught yeah. each other's attention, and yeah, that yeah. was cool. That was really—I remember that moment feeling really excited because. Uh, yeah, was,
3: unless I tap my sons. I was like, "Look, look, look! Yeah. He saw us. He saw us."
0: Yeah, I, I remember because seeing the kids that.
3: are, the kids are super yeah. starstruck about stuff. Man, they That's cool, they though. love you so much. So oh, yeah, yeah, it's cool.
0: That was a highlight of that show, but that that show in particular was. <laughs> Um definitely one of my favorites top two
3: of that whole tour for oh sure. Oh my god. You know, I mean, and it was it was really <clears throat> interesting because the, the two guys that went with me, um they're not they are one is a periphery fan, but they'd never seen you guys. And I remember talking to them afterwards and they were they were super impressed, but they were like Their demeanor was like, those guys, you can tell that they enjoy doing what they're doing. They're having fun, you know, between, you know, the banter between the bandmates or Jake doing the weird, crazy shit he normally does. Yeah. um, Or, you know, bringing the Pliny up on stage and and helping out with the solo from one of the songs. It was just a really fun, enjoyable time. So, you know. At least on behalf of, of me and the kids. Thanks for that, man. That was fucking awesome.
0: Anytime, man. Yeah, I, there'll be more when, once we can get back out and play again, that's for sure. But yeah. it didn't always used to be as fun uh, being in the band. And, and Jordan and Justin can attest to that based on a lot of years seeing me and the band go through different stages and, and just different aspects of good and bad. But I think we've gotten to a point where now it truly is fun to play shows and it's fun to be together on tour because we do it a little bit less. And there's a different perspective, um, mm-hmm. which again, uh, you know, the time away or the hard stuff you go through makes the good stuff that much better. So that's, that is again, going yeah. back to what we're saying for what I'm hoping for. But, uh, Justin, what were you going to say before? Oh, a couple
2: of things. I actually, I was sitting back the other day and it was, uh, Oh, it was so crazy, just trying to think about playing shows again, you know, and, and just having that up.
0: Oh, Justin, we're losing
3: like you. Like
2: many things. That,
3: the remix. Know, good. Right.
0: Say
2: okay. <laughs> yeah, Say one more go. time, Justin. Go again. Yeah, I, I, I was sitting back. I was thinking about this the other day of, of, of uh, the opportunity of playing shows. And this, like many other things, uh, I really just hope once things get back to normal, that uh, the... Uh, like the curiosity of, of what it's going to be like to go do that or going to a restaurant with your wife or all these experiences. I, I, I know that, that I think a lot of it can, can, it, it can die very quickly where the, you know, how you feel about being able to do these things again, uh, almost like the wonder, the the wonder and, and the amazement of like, oh my God, we're back to normal. I, I just know that the like the old habits kind of die hard. I just don't want, I really want to be able to be grateful for all those opportunities when they do come back. Because when I was thinking about it the other day, I, w- I was really going through uh, and trying to keep perspective of it. But uh, it's it's tough to think that there isn't going to be a creative outlet potentially this whole summer. You know, uh, shows that maybe we were all looking forward uh, to go to, uh, shows that we were all supposed to play, uh, anything of that nature. It has all been kind of taken away. And now we're seeing a lot of it get rescheduled for 2021. And uh, I've got tickets for
3: Rage Against the Machine. I know what you're talking about. Oh, right. right.
2: Yeah, so I think we're, we're all going through this together, which, uh, which at least is, is comforting. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Right, it's especially rage. Especially rage. Especially uh, rage, Especially yes. rage, yeah. But a couple points uh, and a couple questions I wanted to ask. Uh, yeah. One of the points was about discipline. I'm curious, uh, prior to uh, being in the military, what did discipline mean to you and what did that look like in your life? And then uh, when you were leaving the military, how did that uh, skill or, or learning to be disciplined, how did it shift and then come into your life now? And then my other two things, you said your son is named Mirko. Yeah. Right. Are you Croatian? I am. I'm first generation. And is this a Mirko Krokop kind of thing? Is there you a. Bike?
3: um It's a typical Croatian name that my wife and i agreed on Mm -hmm. um we like the meaning of it it's a shortened version of miroslav which means man of peace Mm -hmm. um my son is nothing like that um but it gives him something to strive for you know
2: maybe one day (laughs) a little discipline right one day yeah Uh, and the last thing you said you have a sound guard intent to back and i was just curious uh in regards to suicide and and prevention and, and trying to help on that front, uh, what your feelings were, uh, with the passing of Chris Cornell? Oh boy, I might need another beer for this. (laughs) Sorry. We asked the tough questions
3: here. No, I love it. I, I like intellectual conversation. I don't like easy stuff. I like difficult stuff. Um, your first question, what did discipline look like for me before the military? Or Um, Simple I I didn't have any at all Um, I had lots of intelligence um, But I did not have drive And maturity to know what I wanted To do Uh, I did try going to Penn State For a year And failed miserably Uh, Way too much Partying and just had Way too much fun um, my brother, um, had, who's 14 years older than me. Um, he spent six years in the Navy as a nuclear engineer. Um, I talked to him a lot. He thought the air force was a pretty good idea. You know, try and give me some direction, discipline, and kind of a way forward. And, uh, I got that. And then some, that's for sure. Um, you know, I came in before nine eleven. So what my career field looked like was very different than after nine eleven, especially once Iraq and Afghanistan kicked off because you know the main thing that would um, injure and kill people, not just troops but people in general over there, are explosives, IEDs, improvised explosive devices. And all that stuff. So as a career field, our focus shifted big time, really, really fast. Um, And so we learned the importance of being disciplined in our craft. Even when you start the school, you're, you know, when somebody tells you, hey, you have to be disciplined to take care of an explosive item. Yeah, no fucking shit. But... (laughs) after 9-11 and after seeing people and friends get hurt and stuff, it really drives the point home of, I'm going to put 110% into being the best that I could do with this so that I can get people home. Right. Makes sense. That That's, that's, That's what drove the discipline into me the most was the importance of getting it right as best as I could. Um, I didn't want to have to explain to somebody's widow why I made a certain decision or why I didn't. Um, That's a a huge responsibility. uh, One that, in my opinion, when you carry for a really long time, it kind of eats at you a little bit um i know my nerves are not what they used to be before um so you know i just have to recognize it and and do what i can you know um so let's see discipline and then after the military i tried to take everything i learned you know there's this old metaphor tools of the toolbox you know military is great for all these little quips and sayings and this and that. But it's true. I I took a lot of things. I spent over half my life in the military, to put it in perspective. You know, I came in the military when I was 19, and I got out right before my 40th birthday. So I uh, it really added a lot to me. But at the same time, it did not take away my core personality. Like, I'm still at my core an extrovert with an odd sense of humor. Um, And I love practical jokes and irreverent movies, and that'll never change, you know. Um, But there is a responsible and professional side of me that I can turn on if I need to. Um, And I've learned how to kind of... Use that and use my experience analyzing certain situations out in the field and apply it to more everyday life, I guess. Whether it be a new job or dealing with a problem on the property here or stuff like that. I try and apply everything I learn to as much as I can here. So, and then... Uh, Soundgarden, right? Soundgarden. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Um, I still haven't really allowed myself too much to think about it, um, because they were they were very very pivotal. You know, I really I really spent a lot of time around the grunge movement. Um, studying the bands, where they're from, what they were doing. You know, I was like 14, 15 at the time. So that's what kids do. Um, And it was interesting throughout the years, the bands that Soundgarden was with, you saw what happened to a lot of the lead singers from that era. You know, you saw what Heroin did to Scott Weiland. Um, You saw... You know, uh, unfortunately, with Lane Staley, um, you know Chester Bennington, um, all this stuff, and Chris was the last one. He w- he remained, and you know, you kind of you kind of don't want them to be susceptible to that stuff. You kind of have it in your head that nah, they're. But it happens, you know, and um, I'm just thankful that I got to see them live. Um, I'm thankful that, um, you know, they created that music to to introduce to introduce rock and and all that stuff at, at an early age and develop that passion for it. I'm very, I'm very grateful going off of your previous podcast. I'm very grateful um, for the opportunity to have been part of that. It's pretty neat.
1: Mario, I got, actually, I have uh, many, many questions, but in the interest <laughs> of time, uh, I'll yeah. start with two. But, but before, I just want to say publicly, uh, thank you for your many years of service, um, both militarily, but also what you've been providing in the Chocolate Croissants group and, and knowing and having faith that you'll continue to be of service for the remainder of your life here. So thank you.
3: I, I appreciate it. And I I appreciate your support. Um, There was a time in history where support for people uh, from the military was not what it is right now. Um, And that previous generation paid very, very dearly for that. Um, So whenever somebody thanks me for my service or something like that, because a lot of us don't know how to respond to that. We're like, Thank you. I don't know. But, you know, I know that there's a lot of people that really appreciate the support. They may not say it all the time, um, but it really helps. So thanks. Cool. Well, so I'll be honest. And and this kind
1: of tees up one of the two questions. Um, Over the past few years, I've noticed that more times than not, if just say I'm behind someone in line and, and they're in a uniform, uh, whether it's military or, or police or otherwise, um, I'll often say thank you. And for me, being someone uh, who was not exposed to these type of cultures growing up, uh, I never right. really had friends that their families were you know military families or uh, police families. Um, it feels like a foreign culture to me, not unlike maybe us musicians may feel like to you. So for yep. you, to go up to to Matt and some of the guys in Periphery and to say, hey, uh, I'm a fan, I appreciate what you do. Uh, For a lot of people, that's very vulnerable. And a lot of people desire to do that, but for many reasons, don't. So I think that's one of the reasons why uh, people may feel this desire to say, hey, thank you, but they may feel like they don't know how to say it the right way, or they could feel that it's rude, or who knows. Um, I have found that every time I have done that, it has always been a worthwhile, positive experience. Um, so I think there's people like me that are just ignorant to that culture. Uh, yeah. there, are, there are also a lot of people who will take their own, uh, their own feelings about war, both politically, uh, business, uh, etc., and project those feelings onto the actual men and women who do serve. So my question for you is both for uh, all of us that are more ignorant. Uh, is there a message? I wouldn't say
3: ignorant. I so would say, I don't know. I don't ignorant, know. Inexperienced. Ignorant. Yeah. I mean, so ignorant it, is relative. to me, ignorant has a negative connotation to it. But comparing my path to your path is like comparing, you know, apples and grenades. It just doesn't work. Okay. So for my definition of ignorant, uh,
1: and, and I'd assume most have maybe a more negative connotation. Mine isn't. It's more just that I don't know. I don't know your experience. It's unfamiliar to me. So because of that, I'm ignorant to it. My question to you is, uh, and I'm not asking you to be representative for all service people, but what would you like people like me to know about your experience?
3: Um <laughs> I might get in trouble for this, but I'm just going to say it anyways. Appreciate what you have more. Well, I think a fucking global
1: pandemic has hopefully helped us get there or at least a little closer.
3: Yeah. Um Are do any of you guys have kids? Mm-mm. No. No. Okay. Um Cherish every moment that you have with them. Um, There were times when I was gone and all I had were pictures. And, you know, I remember one night in particular where I just wanted to reach through the picture and just hold my kids and my wife just for one minute. And I couldn't. And that desire, like, left an imprint on me, one that I'm thankful for. Because for a lot of people, it's kind of easy to get sucked into. especially now. Uh, it's easy to get sucked into the whole, oh, I got to be around the kids again. I got to do this. I got to do that. And it's really easy to kind of lose focus of, of what's important. Um, again, I'm thankful for that perspective because if I feel myself... Wanting to do this or that. And I'm not saying I don't do those things. It's just that mentality helps me preserve that balance of, you know, going to this event or going to this concert or going backpacking for a week. Um, It can't be all one after another. I got to space them out and I got to schedule it around the kids stuff. I don't want to miss out on their games. I don't want to miss out on any of that stuff. So. Just appreciate what you have um, going going through the suck uh, really uh drives home um, what i appreciating your niceties, if you will, as I call them um, you know air conditioning um, not having body armor, for example, or sitting in a vehicle that has air conditioning. With no body armor on versus an armored vehicle where you're wearing 110 pounds of crap on you, and who knows what can happen. You can get blown up, you can drive into a ditch, um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, I'm thankful that when I drive here, I don't have to worry about if a thing on the side of the road is an IED. Or if it's something like that, I mean, I've ran over IEDs before. And the only reason it didn't go off was because the negative terminal on the power source wasn't hooked up. So, um, huh, uh, you really learn to gain an appreciation for the things in your life. And I would not trade that experience for the world. I really wouldn't. Cool, man. That's powerful. Um, the, the other
1: question I had, it's clear music is uh, a central part of your life, even just you sharing the story about, you know, yes, absolutely. And, and having it framed. Um, so I'd imagine uh, for the 20 years that, that you were in the military, uh, music was something that was a part of your life. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, so I'm curious, thinking back on those 20 years, is there one song, that you could say was most resonant for all of that time?
3: Yes. Yes. Um, Alice and Chains, grind. Here's the reason. Um, when I went through basic training, you know, this is before the wheel was invented. Um, so... We only had, uh, you know, like a a Walkman or something like that. There were no MP3 players or anything like that. And so for six weeks, we had to put all our personal belongings in a bag and we didn't get to see it until the end. So I had, you know, my Discman, um, you know, I had all my stuff, but I couldn't gain access to it. I remember the first time we were allowed to go to the little mini mall and buy Stuff it was like freedom, you know um i bought i I already had a disc in mean, I bought another one just because I wanted to get it listen to music right then and there, and I bought Alison Chain's grind, and I put that in, and I cranked that fucker to eleven, and that was one of the best feelings i'd had in my entire life. I spent six weeks not listening to any of my music and that first song off of that album when that just kicks in that distortion and that just doo 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 holy shit man I still remember that to this day it's such an incredible feeling That's cool man
1: I appreciate you uh, sharing that because uh of course a lot of the people paying attention to this conversation right now are very interested in music music is often the reason why people uh first uh learn and, and join chocolate croissants so after this conversation I will put on that song uh, and, <laughs> and, and, yeah. and because that will help me know your experience just a bit better in a different way so I appreciate that as long as you turn it up to 11 11 it, it is and I'll find a, I'll find a <laughs> disc man as well <laughs> Good luck. I think you have one in your closet. Probably you're good. <laughs> yeah. Now, all, also, you, know, you got to buy a CD though. There's probably people listening to this who don't even know what an MP3 player is.
3: Yeah, I feel really, really old right now. I mean, so.
0: I, I grew up. We all grew up with cassettes, <laughs> you know, being yeah. able to record your own cassettes and tape over cassettes and VHS and all that stuff. I mean, we 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 all grew up with that um yeah before so i don't know if you guys have any other questions by all means um but uh, yeah <laughs> i was gonna say before we uh before we do get to closing time um we talked a little bit about your routine and it's funny the 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 theme has been uh getting to the first thing in the routine and then moving on to a lot of stuff throughout all these episodes lately
3: i know yeah but let me let me
0: let me. Uh, let me put the question this way. Um, again, there are a lot of people that are listening who are looking for direction or ideas, how to approach this situation, how to think about it, so that they're not uh you know they're not struggling through it i had yeah. a, <clears throat> I had a conversation I'll tell this very quickly a conversation with somebody that I work with who was having a very rough time in the past few weeks. Um, and I reached out to them to get on a, on a zoom call because I was having a rough time a bunch of weeks ago. I've since Mm -hmm. been doing, you know, worlds better and I felt like it it was an opportunity for me to give back or pay it forward in the most, with the most recent experience and, and, uh, and tips that I could share, you know, Mm -hmm. about it. So and it was really helpful, not only for, yeah. for that person, but for me too, to be able to like, wow, look how much I've learned and now I can share this and I can speak confidently on mm-hmm. it. So I'm not saying you've been going through a, a rough time or, or or anything like that. My my question is if, if somebody or, or if you could impact somebody right now who is maybe looking for help with their routine or a way to focus or what to think about or what not to do, you know, with your experience, we've talked about gratitude. We've talked about what to appreciate, but I mean, is there anything else on a daily basis that people can maybe start to think about or or grasp onto?
3: Yeah. Um, so there's two things that I absolutely swear by, and this is actually homework for you guys. You got to Google this and I want to see what you guys find. And if you can post it in the forum, I'll start posting the stuff too. The two things I want you to look up are sleep hygiene and, um, the importance of breathing. Now, I know you guys have talked about breathing in, uh, previous podcasts. Uh, you know, Matt and I have talked very specifically about the Wim Hof method. Um, and you know, obviously cold treatments, um, I've got friends that do that. Um, for me personally, um, I rely on breathing techniques, both in it in an acute situation. Like, you know, if I used to have a really big problem going to like supermarkets or Best Buy or Lowe's and waiting in line. And I used to, It's really hard to explain, but I always felt rushed by people behind me. And I felt like if I didn't do things as fast as I could and as properly, that the people behind me would get really mad. Um, Logically, I can tell you that that's irrational. Um, I know where that comes from. That comes from me being conditioned to hurry the fuck up and take care of an IED. So two miles worth of vehicles can make it passed on and all that stuff. So that took a lot of practice and continuing to put myself in those uncomfortable positions. But breathing is something that I could do in line and nobody would know it. You can do breathing exercise anywhere. Nobody knows it. It doesn't take medication they have apps for it, too. You always have your phone on you. Everybody has their phone. So you can get breathing apps to help you regulate your breathing. What a lot of people don't understand or I haven't heard mentioned a lot is why breathing is so important. Um, Breathing is paramount to how your body functions along with, you know, proper hydration and all that stuff. Um, You have your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system, not to get too technical, but if you can look at it this way, you've got your subconscious, you know, you guys are blinking right now and you're breathing without thinking about it. That's happening automatically. What happens when you have anxiety, panic attack, PTSD, whatever, there's a lot of overlapping things there, is that your muscle memory, your subconscious is acting on your behalf based off of whatever. Um, It could be from my own experiences. It could be from something you're not comfortable with. Breathing is one of the few things the body does where you can control it with your conscious or you can breathe unconscious or, you know, um, automatically without thinking about it. So when you really, really focus on your breathing and you really start working on slowing it down, you start take, taking back control of your body's autonomy if you will. And you can do it in an acute way. And then you can do it in a, a chronic way, I guess, but on a daily basis, the more you practice it, the more helpful it is. It's just like meditation. I'm a huge meditation person. I learned to eight years. I learned this in breathing eight years ago. And I swear by this. Um, I don't know if you can see the fireplace, Right here. Hold on a second. Yeah. That's, uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So this is, this is how we heat our house. We only use firewood. And, um, in the evenings when we have a nice fire, I'll actually lay down on the floor and I'll meditate on my own, just in front of the fire. And it's gotten to the point where I start doing guided me- meditation with one of my sons to help him out as well. So, you know, there's this there's this stigma around this type of stuff because it sounds weird. It's eastern. I'm going to have to start, you know, humming and all this stuff. Really, if I could distill it for everybody for your listeners, meditation is just paying attention to yourself. Mm. It's paying attention and it's like a muscle. You're not going to get better at playing the guitar or the drums or playing soccer until you practice that over and over and over again. And breathing and meditation is the exact same way. The more you do it, the more benefits you'll get from it.
1: It's totally true, Mario. And, and I want to add to that point that when we breathe in an intentional way, not only is that going to affect our bodies physically, um, but but mentally and emotionally as well. So if you're in a state yeah. of if you're in a state of panic, not only is your body a bit more hyper, the heart's uh, beating faster, your palms might be sweaty, but the thoughts are racing so fast that it's hard to even like find any sense of being grounded within yourself at yeah. that level. The emotions are 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 much like ping pong almost, and it's really intense. So when we can take intentional breaths and. I don't know if you can notice, but when we do these episodes, uh, you know, it's often hard for me to just shut the fuck up. And because there's so many of us, yeah. I have to sit quiet and really listen. I'm taking deep breaths throughout all of these episodes because that helps ground me in this chair and it helps keep me more focused to be attentive on the conversation. So uh, for. For, you know, breathing, it, it, it affects the totality of us. And, and often in these meditation drum groups that that I share, uh, what I try to remind the, the clients or the participants is that one mindful breath can completely shift the state of your being. And oftentimes, the quality of your breath uh, uh, is a reflection of the quality of your state of being at that given moment.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I don't think people realize the importance of breathing, and I know that sounds really stupid, because, duh, everybody needs oxygen, but I spent a month down at Walter Reed getting checked out, poked and prodded and all that stuff. Uh, it was kind of a specialized unit there that takes Eastern and Western medicine and it smashes it together. And you got to get to try things and this and that. And I, I got hooked up to a biofeedback machine. When you first get there, it's a four week program. They hooked, uh, my oxygen, my breathing rate, my heart rate and my perspiration rate. And when you get there, they give you a baseline. They want to see what you're starting off at. And I remember specifically normal resting, uh, breathing rate is around 12 breaths a minute. It may have changed, but that's what I remember from then. Um, My initial breathing weight at rest was between 24 and 26 breaths per minute. Um, You don't know it. You don't know it unless you stop and and really work on some things. I, I refer to it as a tactical pause. You talk about those thoughts and emotions like ping pong, ping, 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 ping. How do you stop that? There's a bunch of different ways. I talk about grounding techniques. Um, you know, Name five things you can see right now. That's a way of being in the here and the now. And that's something, Matt, that you talked about with the Wim Hof method. When you have that cold shock, it forces you to be in the moment right then and there. You can't go anywhere else. You're right there. And that's a good way of being away from your thoughts taking over. That's you taking control <clears throat> Of your thoughts so yeah uh,
0: Jordan to echo what you were saying breathing uh, like that helps me really focus on these conversations when I'm not talking uh, and I'm excited because there's a I'm, I'm about to start reading a new book um, I've watched a lot of videos about this particular person and method, you know, it, and, and I'm my, my goal is to incorporate it into the Wim Hof techniques that I'm doing on a daily basis, but um, it's a form of nasal breathing. Um, and, and there's a lot of yeah. people that talk about the benefits of that and getting oxygen into your stomach and not just shallow breathing in your chest. But what I'm focused on during these conversations is nasal breathing, very mm-hmm. slow, deliberate, Breath holds, you know, breath holds for periods of time while we're talking and feeling, trying to not only pay attention to the conversation, but also trying to tap into what the topic of conversation does to my breath. Mm.
3: Active listening is what you're talking about.
0: Yeah, 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 I guess so. So uh, I'll talk more about this, I'm sure, in coming weeks as I read this book. The book is called The Oxygen Advantage, um, and uh, it's it's. It's one that I've heard a lot about, but and again, I watched a lot of videos from Patrick McCone. I think that's how he pronounces his last name. Um, yeah, I don't know. But he's really pushing this. you know. And, and what I was going to say was the, the, the cool thing is I'm seeing so many people talk about breath work and the importance of breathing and a lot of different techniques. Um, yeah.
3: What's and it- you know, it's interesting because you talk about holding your breath. I never do that. Well- I don't do it in the traditional sense. I, I try to elongate my breaths as much as possible. Um, I personally, I don't like counting breaths. I don't like anything with numbers or something I have to keep track of. When I meditate, I want it to be completely off of the body, I'm, that's what I'm going off of. And, and I'm not saying something's right or wrong, it's just, that's what I do. Um, with that biofeedback, after three weeks of this training, I was able, with breathing t- techniques alone, and sleep hygiene, I was able to get my breathing rate down to 12 breaths per, per minute. And now, like, probably, I haven't used my app for about six years. I've actually gotten to the point where I can do about three breaths per minute, but that takes a lot of work, you know, to be able to slowly inhale and exhale. I mean, those are really long inhales and exhales. And you can find videos on YouTube of like, you know, Buddhist monks and how they do their breathing techniques. There's a reason this shit has been around for a while. I'm not saying it's the answer, but I think it can help a lot of people that are having a hard time right now. That and getting the fuck outside. <laughs> yeah. If you can.
2: Yeah. If you can. And I think we spoke if, about this. There's a, there was a great company that I referenced. Uh, yeah. Is it go, go the fuck outside or get the fuck outside? Whatever.
0: Chrissy and Ben's company. Yeah. Go. Exactly. The, go yeah. The fuck outside. It, it, yeah.
2: And I, I think uh, what they're currently doing and their current push is is just so important that there is uh, one thing you can control. If you feel very stuck in the walls that surround you, you can walk out the door. And I, and yeah. I think it's important. I, I think the longer the duration is of, of people uh, being stuck inside and, and the longer that the pandemic kind of persists, I think the more people will get curious about I, I think I can go outside and maybe I don't have to put a mask on in, in my own home environment. So if I have that ability, I can just can walk outside and and yeah. freely breathe. I know I know it's viral and, and everything else, but you uh, and, and I'm, I'm not I'm
3: not you know
2: suggesting everyone just go run outside.
3: No, uh, no, no, no. I was shaking my head at people wearing masks inside their own homes, like to uh, each
2: zone. We'll be sensitive yeah. to everyone, right? Of course, you know, just like okay, yeah. We, yeah, you know, everybody's right, yep. It, it's a thing of, um, <laughs> I, I was thinking about this this uh, this earlier, and, and it's, um, it, I don't want to come off insensitive, but uh, your experience in and, and go, going uh, to war is very different from uh, maybe how soft our generation is, thinking about how hard it has become for people to just sit inside with all the luxuries that we have at our fingertips. And, and I don't want to come off insensitive, uh, so I'm, I'm trying to be, as, as best as I can, empathetic uh, towards everyone and, and everyone's disposition because, of yeah. course, I get it. It, it is a, a very scary, daunting time to go outside. And I, I, uh, it can be a very scary, daunting uh, time to go do anything outside of the comfort of your home. And you may not even feel mm-hmm. comfortable there to the point of feeling like you need to wear a mask inside. Uh, the situation
3: dictates, absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Right. And and I think I think the power of breathing right now, and, and I, I love every time we do a podcast, breathing comes up and I think everyone then consciously taps back into
3: Oh,
2: oh right, don't forget this breathing. Ah, thing, did you notice shit. that? Did you oh, notice I,
3: that? It's exactly. yeah. a sigh. That, why do people relief. sigh?
2: It, relief. Right. And, and and it's a great way to 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 bring some levity to to a very, very tough situation. And I also think it's really important to to remember that the gift of breathing, not everyone has that. It's a luxury. Uh, people people go through a pulmonary disease, COPD. Uh, there's plenty of them, right? And you end up having to yeah. be on a, on a mechanical ventilator, something, a respirator, a rebreather. You might have to walk around. You see people walk around uh, wheeling almost like luggage, their oxygen, or they carry it on them uh, because they can't do the things that the luxury That so many are afforded of just being able to take in a nice deep breath, hold, and exhale, and so uh, it's interesting because every time we bring this stuff up, it I I think about all these other things that we just do so subconsciously, things Mm -hmm. like walking and running. You know, no one really taught us how to run properly, and that's something you can go outside right now and go for a run. But I think it's really interesting to to tap into the the. Uh, more of a why and an understanding to be really conscious of these things. And, and I think it's a great time to learn more about these simple luxuries that a lot of us, I think, take for granted. And I think it, it's great to tap into the simplicity of things like walking. Like why, why do some people walk so uh, maybe easily or they run so well and others have a very strange uh, a version of it, right? A variation of it. Uh, and so we can kind of tap into the same thing with our breath work. And and learning to just take nice, deep breaths and just being conscious
1: about it.
3: Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where now's the perfect time to look into it. Right. Um, there's a there's a reason people like us continue mentioning these things like breathing and meditation and going outside. It's because it's not just anecdotal. It's not just a bunch of hippies saying, go do this. There's a reason why military institutions are starting to incorporate this into everything that they do is because there is something to this. It's not the answer. It might be a answer. And science backs this up. You can find scientific published articles, peer-reviewed things that back a lot of this stuff up. The vitamin A from the sun helps out with a lot of stuff. Uh, The fresh air, getting out and exercise, um, breathing, expanding, working on expanding your lungs, especially with diaphragmatic breathing. I mean, there's a lot of benefits from this stuff, and it's not just normal Joe Schmo people talking about this. There is something to this.
1: Yeah. So Look, I, I've i been in the field of mental health, both as a professional and, and a student, for 15 years now. And so these are things that are that have become part of my life, both in in education and in practice. Uh, One of my biggest issues, not only with the field of uh, psychology, but in a lot of fields, is just poor marketing, right? It's the inability to connect this information with the general public. And look, there's a reason why last week uh, on the episode with Jeffrey that when we were talking about these quote soft skills, whether it's a gratitude practice or meditation, there's a reason why I said by that by doing these things, you can become like the baddest motherfucker. Because I have an understanding of the type of listener that we attract. And I think language like that not only is gonna capture attention in the moment to make them pay attention just maybe a little bit deeper and maybe that information really connects with them. But I think language like that for our particular listener May resonate more because I don't sound like some old fucking professor or some old scientist that can't culturally relate. Um, yeah, people can identify maybe with my personality in in a more resonant way, and and maybe because there's trust in that, they may be more open to these ideas that uh, seem more soft or seem more hippy dippy.
3: But shit well, that lasts
1: five thousand years, like there's there's inherent wisdom to it.
3: There is, there is, and you know, there's a difference between the verbiage and the way that we're communicating right now versus a scientific published article, which the normal person can navigate through, but can be overwhelming. So what do they do? They rely on second or third-hand parties, like main media outlets, and you know, not to go down a rabbit hole with that, but you know, look at it that at your own peril. (laughs) Yeah. And even so, so just say like the today show, for
1: instance, when I see that there's a quote meditation expert on there, I get really excited because I understand that that means that, uh, an idea like mindfulness meditation is moving closer to the mainstream, but let's be honest. Uh, am I going to get my information from, uh, from that type of source, no, because the Today Mm. Show just seems lame to me, right? And the power of the internet, uh, one of the many powers of the internet is that we can really go deeper with the types of cultures and communities that resonate with us most. Um, And look, I'm seeing uh, these types of quote soft skills uh, definitely becoming much more accepted Um, and, and, and I think a lot of that is because not only do we need it, but, uh, look, this stuff is cost effective. Um, and, and, Uh, think yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) and there's like no side effects that are harmful.
2: Well, maybe not, not not too too much time in the sun.
3: Yeah. I can't tell you how many people, how many friends are just given shit tons of pills and like, that's. The idea that a pill is the first step is the problem. I think that is fundamentally one of the worst things we can do. I think medication, sorry to get on my soapbox, but medication is a viable option, but it should be looked at after some behavioral modification type stuff. <laughs> and to go back to my earlier
1: point, one of the reasons I believe medication uh, is so uh, widely prescribed is because there was a lot of effective marketing to create that in the public. Oh, I would agree with that, too. So yeah. I, I'd argue with most it's things... The almighty what, dollar. Right. So with most things, whether it's uh, uh, a war effort or a, a, a political race or which brand of toothpaste or uh, which album to buy, uh, often it's just a game of communication and marketing.
3: Yeah i agree i agree
2: for the group i want to challenge everyone and the four of us included because i think we're, we're doing this but i think we, we can all probably benefit from a little bit more right now uh, The sun, the vitamin D you can get from the sun, it controls a thousand different processes. It controls so many processes in the body, but it controls, and Jordan can probably speak of this, a lot of the neurotransmitters that make us just ultimately feel good. So getting a little bit more time, especially us, we live in the Northeast, so we deal with a lot of time where we lack this natural sunlight. The fact that we can go outside right now, and it's beautiful outside right now. Oh yeah, the fact that we can go outside, and we can get it for free. Mario, to your point, this is like this is the proper medicine we re- we need right now. And the other point I want to make is that time in nature—if you can find some nature—if there's trees in your backyard, if you can go do a little bit of wandering, time in nature—I think will make a world of difference. Plus, it'll just give us a different perspective. Again, to the walls that you know, the confine that we're 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 currently living in, and I think it will also make us then appreciate what we have when we come inside. Air conditioning. A TV, a couch to lay on, right? So you can go outside. and You can kind of get some real perspective as well. So that's two challenges: a little more yeah. time in the sun, a little more time in nature.
0: And here's here's one for I you: like it. if you're gonna do your breath work, do it outside. You know, do it outside. Fresh My- air. Take your clothes off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Matt, hey, you can take your it, clothes off. If, if if it's safe to do that, if you're fenced in and nobody, you know, you're not gonna get in they trouble. I'll do
3: it in the creek.
0: Yeah, ex- Matt, you're excluded from <laughs> that. You can just get outside, you know. Yeah, out there, show them what's up. That's right. No, <laughs> yeah. I did. I did my breath work outside in in the backyard here today. The sun was out. There was, you know, I could hear all the birds chirping. It was a very. It was a. It was an excellent. Breathing session because of nature, fresh air, being calm, feeling the sun. That 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 whole the combination of all that made it's it. That
3: stimuli bringing you into the present, hundred
0: percent. And 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 I notice yep. the more I practice meditation, the more things I notice. I notice a bee buzzing behind me. I notice a fly yeah. going by here. I notice you know the wind. I notice the trees making noise. You know the leaves. It's just every every detail becomes a part of the, um, a part of the experience and that makes it much more fulfilling and, and fruitful, you know? Um, yeah.
1: You so, even just the musicality of
0: birds is cool. Yeah. Oh, I pay attention to yeah. so, it all the time, all the time. And even more so now, but as it gets warmer, as the sun's out more, I tend or, or I plan to be spending a lot more time outside Um, Yeah. Oh, yeah. And part of the reason why I'm also really getting comfortable um, as much as you can use that word with the with the cold is because I don't want that to stop uh, being Mm -hmm. being outside when it gets cold out. Um, You know, with 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 the new house, I want to be able to work out outside year round. I want to be able to exercise outside year round. Right. I want to be able to 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 walk out and, and breathe outside year round and not let the cold or extreme heat <clears throat> heat, you know, deter me from that. Um and that's one of the really cool things that, that you can start to explore within any of these soft skills. Yeah. You do it inside or out. And if you do it outside, I guarantee you, you're you're gonna have a better experience than sitting in a basement, you know?
3: Yeah. Well and you know once once all this virus stuff dies down and, you know, movement can continue and people can visit each other and stuff, I'll go ahead and invite you guys up here anytime you guys want. I got plenty of room up here to do whatever we want. And if you want to learn how to meditate with the sound of the creek, right by a fire with the goats in the background, come up here.
0: Let's go Buffalo. Probably. yeah we we've talked yeah. we've talked about it before it, it's got to happen at some point for sure
3: it's got to happen yeah. it's just th- this place is super peaceful and i don't know what i'd do without it we're very fortunate
2: yeah. chocolate croissants retreat twenty twenty <laughs> seven. <laughs> whenever we're out allowed to leave the house
0: again.
3: yeah 2030 we'll maybe
0: no it, it, no it really does look beautiful all the pictures you've sent to me um that I've seen of your property and where you live. It's, it's ideal for everything we're talking about and more. And, and seasonally it really gives you, um, a, a nice variation, you know?
3: Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, seeing life coming back, um, seeing the buds on the trees. Um, you know, we have a birdhouse, we saw some sleeping baby blue jays in there. Um, it's, uh, it's a very nice atmosphere up here.
0: Yeah, no, it's the it's something I, I notice too every day where we are now. The amount of the the more green that I see on a daily basis, I notice it, and it makes you feel good, you know. Yep, it does. So I don't know. I hope it. I hope uh, this situation doesn't last forever. You know, I know it won't, but I also hope that people do take advantage of the things that they do have, like breathing and going outside and everything else that we've talked about that is at your disposal right now, you know?
3: Yeah. And just don't, don't rush through this right now. Pay attention to what's happening. And that's why I like this podcast is because you can talk to people and get other people's perspectives on what they're going through and what they're learning. Remember that. Use it. Write it down Um, so that the next time you're tired of doing something or you don't want to be outside anymore, hey, remember that time where we couldn't go outside? I'm going to take full advantage of that.
2: Right. Well said. Well said. Should we all take a deep breath? (sighs)
0: I'm, I'm really working on my nasal breathing. That's 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 like the next. <laughs> All right, big Matt. Step. Matt,
2: let us let us have one uh, nasal breath, please. Jordan, can we
1: get some bells well, for that? Done. Yeah, well done, Matt. I like nice. you. you know, so
0: I'm working on cr- like I'm I'm always stuffed up. So by doing more nasal breathing, you actually mm-hmm. unclog your sinuses and and your nasal passages. Um, and I've been working on doing this method where you you basically take these two fingers and you press here.
3: Oh yeah.
0: yep. And it really opens you up. So I've been trying to do it with that and without that.
3: Look into diaphragmatic breathing. Um, watch babies or puppies when they're sleeping. You don't like, I was watching you right now. Your chest is going up like this. Okay. Try and force your stomach out when you breathe. Yeah, that's that's more diaphragmatic breathing is typically more of a relaxing, um, restorative way of breathing. Try it and see what you think. Like I said, tool in the toolbox.
2: Sure. I think it's getting uncomfortable. uh, With I think we're very comfortable as as alpha gorillas to breathe up and expand the chest. We, we we want to hold our gut in, and so for a lot of people, breathing shallow, you know, up into like the top of the pec is is a lot more desirable than if they were to distend the belly and feel like they're not holding themselves in. So I think it's it's a great time while we're all stuck inside alone, you know, or yeah. with our loved ones around in a judgment-free zone. Oh no to no no! Just no.
0: let <laughs> the gut hang out, you know, sure. yeah.
2: into it and get as big as you can.
0: I uh, yeah. I wanted to I wanted you guys to see the expansion, but I do a lot of that. Specifically in the morning, um, I'm, I, I follow Laird Hamilton and there's a lot of stuff that he does with diaphragmatic breathing. And one of the exercises you do in the morning is a it, – it's a combination of fast and slow nasal breathing, very focused on the diaphragm. But one of the first things you do when you wake up to kind of wake up your lungs and your, and your diaphragm is this like very, very fast, like <sighs> – and you pull it all into the diaphragm and you're like pushing your stomach out and in. So it looks funny, Yeah, but no, a hundred percent. I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's the key to my, to healing my moments of anxiety is to breathe with my belly and to, to, to yeah. expand it and to, to stretch it as much as I can. Um, it truly makes a big difference and you get more oxygen that way. And then from there, the, the technique you kind of saw me do here was breathing in quickly to the belly and then up into the lungs <laughs> and um, because both feel good in different ways. But, yeah, I'm not saying by any means um, uh, I, that you're wrong. It, you're 100% right, and I, and I do it, and I hope more people yeah. pay attention to those things.
3: Yeah, it, it, it's, just, it's just one of those things that's been taught to me and it's been taught to other people it might be, it might work. It, try yeah. It. yeah. I
0: think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Can't hurt
3: to try. No, no.
0: Everybody, everybody no. go outside and, and try some diaphragmatic breathing for sure. Go try something. Just do something. Yep.
3: Stick outside. your stomach out as far as you can, and then suck it in as far as you can back and forth and see what happens. Yep. If and you pass out, it's not my fault. <laughs> You'll be all right. You'll be all right. Jordan.
1: There's a few things I want to mention before we take it home. Uh, One, if you're interested in the military because you have served uh, currently or or prior, uh, and you're also interested in drumming, I'd assume that this episode is probably one of the first you would listen to. Uh, There is this guy, Trevor, that I met many years ago at a drum circle facilitator conference. Uh, He is a veteran, and he started a nonprofit called Warrior Beat. And through Warrior Beat, uh, he creates uh, rhythmic experiences, such as a drum circle, uh, for veterans. And uh, so that is a wonderful initiative that I'd encourage anyone to check out and support, Warrior Beat. Um, I know a lot of people uh, are attracted to this podcast because oftentimes we talk about business and entrepreneurship, especially as creatives. Uh, We have not done that as much as we had in prior episodes, so uh, I listened to Matt uh, as a guest on Finn McKenty's Punk Rock MBA podcast and I thought that was a wonderful conversation, so I highly recommend that if you're interested in in more entrepreneurial content Thanks Uh, Yeah dude, well done Uh, Mario, again, I'd like to thank you for being a guest here, I'd like to again thank you for uh, being a a just a a person of service uh, for all of us uh, and and an inspiration at that. So thanks again, my friend. Uh, I
3: I appreciate you guys having me on and letting me pop my podcast, cherry. Hell yeah, brother.
2: (laughs) Thank you for being here.
1: Uh, Yeah. Thanks guys. And, and Justin, as my literal brother, I just want to say that uh, I love you and I care about you and I think about you all. Likewise. Love you too. So facebook.com slash groups slash chocolate croissants. That is where you can find us. We hope that you join us. I know that in the past week uh, we've had, I think, a couple dozen new members. So uh, that is very exciting for all of us. Uh, shout
2: out Jason Schuster.
1: Shout out Jason Schuster. Something I never thought I would say privately or publicly, but I'm glad <laughs> that I just did. Um, and so- happy post-Steve Belinky week. Uh, Happy well, post I, Steve Blinky week. I was going to get to that. I was. Did going, you eat? Did you, did you do your that. eating challenge? No, that is something that's coming up. Uh, there's <laughs> a thing of baby food that is a chicken apple combination, and oh, the dogs. Uh, yeah, it's meant for, I guess, in, in this babies. household, dogs. Uh, but it's for babies, and I will be eating that uh, very soon, in the Facebook group. Uh, so I'll make a an announcement. I'll properly promote that. Um, I would say that, Matt, Justin, you guys were in error. It was actually a very happy hashtag Steve Week. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, I can't <laughs> wait until 2021 when we do it again. Um, until next time, everyone, I love you very much. Bye-bye! <laughs>